Welcome to Folk Tales, a podcast series for anyone who loves spending time on, in or by the water. I'm Dominic Zamet, Director at Boat Folk, and throughout this series I'll be speaking with guests from our coastal communities to hear their stories and to learn what life on the water means to them. I hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we're focusing on the next generation. In the summer of 2021, Boat Folk announced its partnership with the inspirational sailing charity, the Andrew Simpson Foundation. In September, we jointly launched Boat Gen, a new initiative aimed at developing the next generation of boater. And since then, we've been on a mission to introduce as many young people as possible to the benefits of boating. We've set out an ambitious plan to activate the UK's youth and inspire a love of water in the next generation. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests, Ellie Jennings, lecturer in sports coaching at the University of Bournemouth, and Rich Percy, CEO of the Andrew Simpson Foundation. Ellie, Richard, it's great to have you on the podcast. Now, look, we you obviously both joined me at the Southampton Boat Show to launch Boat Gen in, in September, and we were joined, you know, really um, gladly by Olympic gold medalist Ailey McIntyre and Boat Gen ambassador Tim Long. Um, and so far, things have been going really well with Boat Gen. Um, but I was hoping we could maybe take a step back and, and actually have a look at where it all came from. If you don't mind, Ellie, I'd like to start with you and the work that you've been doing. So do you mind sort of sharing with everyone a little bit about your research and, and you know, what you're working on? Yeah, um, absolutely. So my research interests focus on the impact of outdoor physical activity on children's well-being. Specifically, my PhD research looks at the impact of doing physical activity in blue spaces, which includes sailing, windsurfing, um, canoeing, anything on water really, um, and how that's impacted children's well-being. Fantastic. I've been lucky enough to do my research um, alongside the Andrew Simpson Foundation. Amazing. I, I mean, how did you sort of first get drawn into into that sort of field of study? What, what was it that made you choose that as your PhD focus? Um, so I've always been really interested in how we can support and enhance children's well-being. Um, I come from a background of sports coaching, but also I grew up right next to the New Forest. Um, and I've always just been really interested in being in and around nature and how that can be helpful for us. Makes perfect sense. So, I mean, you've been working with the Andrew Simpson Foundation, as you say, on the research. How did that sort of first come about and, and how did you first get involved with the guys? Yeah, so there was a collaboration with the Andrew Simpson Foundation between um, my university um, and the foundation. Um, but it kind of came about because the Andrew Simpson Foundation were interested in the impact of their current practice on children's well well-being, which is particularly important in the current context where we're looking at a decline in children's well-being, time spent outside because of the impacts of the pandemic. And really, my research was centred around the Portsmouth Centre in particular, and the support from Hermione Garner and Laura Kingston was brilliant during my research there. Amazing. And I guess, you know, how how do you sort of conduct that kind of research? What is it that you've been doing with the, uh, the foundation to sort of help inform your, your studies? Yep. So the research project expanded over a four-month period um, where we were looking at the, the back end of lockdown and everything kind of returning back to normal. So firstly, I was interested in collecting survey-based data, looking at children's well-being and their connection to nature um, and their enjoyment of physical activity. Um, and that reflected a time where 
children were at school, but they weren't back to their regular physical activity. Then one month into the study, they were back at the Andrew Simpson Foundation doing their regular activities and then the months to follow that as well. And that was particularly interesting. But the kind of second part to the study was was all about collecting the perceptions of children, their lived experience of regularly attending sessions at the Andrew Simpson Foundation, in addition to talking to their parents um, about their children's experience at the foundation, which was really insightful. And the children were really positive and happy to be back at the at the Andrew Simpson Foundation post kind of lockdown and not being there for a long time. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to ask you a little bit about, you know, the findings of your research in a minute. But um, Rich, maybe you could tell us a little bit about where the foundation sort of come from and, and you know, what its mission is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Andrew Simpson Foundation was established uh, back in 2013 after the untimely uh, death of Andrew Simpson, uh, who's an Olympic gold medalist sailor during a training accident in San Francisco during the America's Cup. I mean, after the incident, you you had uh, like Sabine Ainsley, uh, Ian Percy and Andrew's family really wanting to do something in Andrew's name. So they established the charity. And over the course of that first year, really, they developed the sort of mission that they wanted to transform the lives of young people through sailing, um, as Andrew had his life uh, transformed through sailing. So what that looked like was us opening a uh, centre in 2014 at the National Sailing Academy. And over the course of the past uh, eight years, has been opening a further uh, four centres in the UK. So we now have five UK centres. We also have a centre in uh, Italy as well, as well as two supported programmes in South Africa and Turks and Caicos. Really with the idea, as I say, to transform lives, but um, that's that's working on young people's uh, sort of physical physical and mental health that's providing careers and education opportunities for young people as well as just providing pathways for those people who wouldn't ordinarily get an opportunity to get out of the water you're hearing there about the research what we all know of us guys who go on the water is the benefits it gives right absolutely it's uh, an amazing space it's it's so good for the mind and sort of your physicality and so on and just and can provide opportunities for young people I mean I think it's you know that was the basis really of um, us collaborating um, on the university sort of uh, projects initially was to say okay look we know this is good for us and the young people that are coming through the programs but where's the evidence was surprised to find there was no particular uh, evidence so set about working to provide that evidence and to provide more opportunities for young people to get out on the water fantastic and what that looks like now to be uh, honest with you there Dom is that we're working with well this year it'll be about 30,000 people incredible will have um, gone through our sailing programs and that's only growing as we look to expand to new centres across the UK. Amazing. I mean, what's the what's the ultimate goal? Do you have a sort of target number of kids coming through the centres uh, in mind? Yeah, well, I mean, we were, well, COVID aside, obviously a little bit of a hiccup there. It's been a challenging <laughs> two years, let's be honest. But um, I mean, what I was saying, that 2021, you know, 30,000 people, it's quite a lot of people coming through even in COVID. Yeah. Incredible. Only been open, obviously, for sort of two thirds of the year as well. But uh, initially, we'd be just been looking to, uh, to expand our operation across the UK. We're aiming to open 10 centres over the course of the next few years. We'd love to get to that magical figure of working with 50,000 people a year. 
Yeah. All of those are which are on sort of part of fully subsidised programmes and just really opening up the opportunities for us. Uh, what a tragedy looks like at the moment is young people not having opportunities or access to get out on the water. Absolutely. We're working hard behind the scenes to try and open that up across the country. Yeah. And it's interesting that you've got obviously um, centres both on the coast, but also inland as well. And I guess, you know, part of the, the challenge for our country is that you've got so many young people that don't really have have direct access to the water. I mean, is that one of the things that you're trying to sort of overcome? And, and are you seeing people travelling to the centres from further afield? Definitely. I mean, you know, clearly on the south coast, uh, we're in a really sort of great position in terms of the access uh, opportunities for young people. That said, it's been about us trying to provide affordable pathways or, you know, fully subsidised pathways as well to ensure that finance is a, isn't a barrier at all. Um, in terms of the rest of the country, you're right, you know, in, there's always access to water somewhere whether it's a, a lake yeah. or an hour away. And it's surprising, actually, how sort of further north you go, the more people are willing to travel for opportunities. Interesting. So, for example, our centre in Birmingham is a sort of 120-acre lake, but you've got you know over a million people within sort of half an hour of that. That's amazing. So our mission is to try and get it on their sailing on, on the map, give them their sort of first experience, provide regular opportunities, and for us, that will aid not only uh, develop them as individuals, but it will also have more people coming into the sport yeah. over the course of time. Absolutely right. And I mean, you know, you've obviously spent your life on the water, I guess. I mean, uh, is that something from from early childhood or did you get into it a little bit later on in life? Uh, you know what? I, I'm, <laughs> obviously, I can't. My, my brother, Ian Percy, is uh, an Olympic gold medalist. And obviously, it's my connection to, to the charity. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, you know, you must be one of these dynasty families in sailing. Well, actually, no. My family, my parents didn't sail. They uh, they moved to uh, Southampton back in the seventies, whenever it was, and decided better do a sport to keep uh, keep the kids off the streets, you know. <laughs> and um, picked up a sort of uh, a wooden boat for a hundred quid, I think it was at the time. Amazing. And uh, pushed pushed us off the shores in uh, Western Shore, and, the, and sort of the rest is history. You know, I've got uh, two sisters as well as a brother, and uh, we all, in some way, uh, are still involved in sailing. My brother, obviously, is a professional sort of sailor but my, my sister's through through the sport as well and participate uh, regularly from a recreational perspective but yeah not from a sailing family massively impacted on our lives fantastic no doubt you know on our children's lives as well I was going to say I mean is, is it something that you are sort of actively encouraging your kids to get involved with or I mean, is, there a, is there a point in time when actually it's a little bit terrifying to see your kids uh, out on the water I feel that's coming from you that feeling there Dom is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, personal experience. <laughs> I know, but you know what? It's interesting. Yeah, I, going from someone who learned to sail to now encouraging your kids to go out, there is there is a bit of like, oh, you know, this is this is a bit of an interesting environment, different environment. It's not exactly like, you know a safe football pitch at the local field, is it? You know, yeah. that definitely, I would say, is a bit of a perceived barrier. Um, and even for me, you know, when my kids are out there now, and they are very much they're just sort of eight and nine learning to sail. Yeah, uh, first year of learning to sail, so I'm watching it, and you know, I, I was nervous for them, but kids are amazing resilient you know and i'm sure ellie sees it through her coaching they, they pick up things so so quickly and actually my, my, my son and daughter both enjoy stronger winds i was thinking oh my god no it's got to be under 10 knots it's got to be so it's exhilarating so, yeah exactly they're like no we want 20 knots you know? like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great um, yeah so it's, 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 it's fascinating to watch them on their journey amazing. and to watch them develop as individuals and 
founders and pulling it back to the foundation, that's precisely what we want to provide in terms of opportunities for young people who wouldn't normally have that. Absolutely right. So look, I mean, Boat Gen, obviously we we have launched now and it was it was months in the making, but we were really clear right from day one that its purpose was, was really to capture the imagination of young people and, and to sort of create a movement that young boaters could get behind to help sort of secure the next generation of boater. And we all know that sort of boating has so many benefits for all of us, not just young people. But I guess, Elliot, it would be interesting to, to sort of hear a little bit about what findings of your latest research have been and, and kind of, you know, put some some qualitative and quantitative data behind that, I guess. Yeah, so the, the research that I conducted with the foundation had some really interesting findings. Particularly, we, we saw that regular members of the foundation had a really high connection to nature. Um, and that's important because it means that children are more likely to have pro-environmental behaviours. So looking at the environment on a wider context, that's brilliant and what we want to see. But also having connections to nature also is linked to having a good sense of well-being. If you feel connected to the land around you um, and you can kind of receive all those benefits from just being in nature themselves. Within the kind of qualitative aspects of the study, and you've kind of touched on this already, but children talked about just how being out on the water was hugely exciting for them. You know, children said to me that every time they go out on the water, it's not the same environment. They have to react to the tide, the wind, everything going on. And they really welcomed that challenge and could see their own, I guess, progress and progress and accomplishment yeah but also just having this sense of independence which I think links to what you you were kind of just saying that children maybe this was kind of one of one of the times in the week where they were able to just go out go out and launch and just be in their boat by themselves in charge and in response uh, responsible for, for themselves the boat and you know the courses that they were doing and I think they really enjoyed that sense of kind of freedom exploration but also they were independent in their decision making but they knew that their instructors were around if they needed if they needed help or guidance fantastic and that type of thing so it's definitely sort of shown you know a, a clear positive impact then you know that's what we're seeing there is a sort of, can I be as bold as to say a direct correlation to being on the water and sort of positive mental health I can't say a direct correlation but certainly the research supports that idea yes <laughs> no, I wouldn't be so bold <laughs> But certainly the, the kind of culture of the Andrew Simpson Foundation, I think, really empowers children um, and their confidence in their self and them being able to just go to the centre. It be their space to do what, what they enjoy most. I think that was really powerful. Uh, I mean, have you sort of seen any impacts of COVID on, on sort of your findings? I mean, did, did the research sort of, did it start post pandemic or, or pre and, and has there been any difference sort of spotted? Yes. So, so the data collection started in March this year when we were kind of looking at the back end of coming out of um, really sports lockdown. But I think what we've seen with COVID is it's kind of just heightened the importance of this research and children actually going outside and taking part in sport and physical activity. So COVID has um, exacerbated inequalities among individuals from different uh, backgrounds and different groups. Um, but what we've seen at the centre is that it provides children with the opportunity to go outdoors, not be on their phones because they you know, physically can't be looking at a screen while they're out on the water. And it's given them 
you know, something to do which is exciting, which is different. And it has, and my research has shown that it's had these positive impacts on mental health and well-being, which, you know, in the current context is brilliant. And that, that's what we obviously what we, we want. Absolutely right. Uh, and I mean, you, you know, when you started talking at the beginning of the podcast, you mentioned that sort of the focus of your research is around the blue spaces in particular. Is there is there any sort of difference in in kind of the impact whether you're on the water versus just being I don't know running through a woods, <laughs> which might be a little bit odd, but you know is is there some sort of benefit from the water side of things as well? Yeah, so just being in nature, whether that is you know in a woods or, or sailing on the sea, is is good for mental health and well being. Um, but I think the kind of unique aspect of participating in water sports is that you actually get to immerse yourself in that environment and I think as I mentioned having to react to the tide the wind etc etc you can't really replicate that on on land that's kind of like the unique aspect of going out on the water is this kind of unpredictable environment and I think that's one thing which is in the study came out as really building children's confidence that they know that they can rely on their own decision making and, and activities when out on the water. That's amazing. So Rich I mean you, you know we all know that boating has the potential to capture the imagination of, of young people and and others and you've touched a little bit about you know the barriers to entry for for sort of sailing and, and boating generally um, but what do you think the main sort of barriers are I mean what is it that's stopping us being a nation of boaters well I think access is one thing and ensuring there is access for people around the country I think COVID really hasn't helped with that and as councils have looked at sort of balancing books over the course of the last few years access has definitely been decreasing as an example we're in conversations with a council up in the northeast and you know if this centre shuts as, as per their original proposal that's you know essentially one and a half million people within that area that won't have access to getting on the water. Um, so that that clearly is a one of the main barriers. There's also a, a lot of perceptions about the sport. Yeah. I see it all the time, you know, and I, and I hear it about uh, the cost of getting into the sport. I think, you know, it's not true. It's, as I said, you know, we run a programme which is, it's a uh, sale for a fiver. We come along, it's five pounds for half a day session. Right. And me as a parent, both at gen sessions as an example, me as a parent sitting there seeing other sports and the cost of getting them into them I realized yeah I realized you know over the last couple of years actually it, it really isn't that expensive compared with uh, other sports as well we definitely need to work to try and break down that perception and that's what we're aiming to do via our community programs um, outreaching into communities and drawing in groups that wouldn't traditionally come onto the water I think it's quite an interesting if you look at our center in Portland at the National Sailing Academy where the Olympics were held in 2012 it's quite interesting to see that the population is very much more engaged there with the water yes and regardless who they are and that's got to be an olympic effect i think must be but also we've been, been running the um the, the sale for a private program there since the beginning and i really do think that that has had an effect in introducing a lot of people breaking down those barriers the perceptions of the sport realizing that actually you can just come along you know you just walk in get out on the water with the instructor and and learn it's as easy as it's as easy as joining any other club you know football club yeah hockey net club and, and so on and that's an ongoing thing it's not like you just come off for a one-off or there's a course to do you can come 
come to our regular community clubs, which are weekly. And as long as you want to, you know, carry on or want to go into racing or not sailing, keel boating, or it's so it's so vast the areas you can go into or into a career. I mean, it's it, it's there, it's affordable. We need to promote it better. I think is one one thing to say. And um, that's obviously part of our boat gen campaign together with boat folk is obviously to, I think we're guilty as a sport a little bit of, uh, I'm probably uh, falling into the category now, but, you know, mid, middle-aged man type of thing, trying to promote a uh, an exciting sport to the next generation. We talk about it, but actually I think very much the focus of boat gen is to uh, enable youth ambassadors to uh, promote the sport. People of uh, similar age promoting the sport that they love and enjoy to other people of similar age to, uh, to break down those perceptions and using you know platforms of which young people are using you know in, in, in this day and age which I probably am not uh, so uh, <laughs> hopefully anyway <laughs> yeah. But yeah so I think you know combination of ensuring there's maintained access ensuring that you know we increase the promotion of the sport utilising people young people who enjoy it already and ensuring there's no barriers in terms of finance there's no accessibility barriers I mean, sailing is one of the most accessible sports uh, in the yeah. world in terms of people with disabilities. Um, noting the new campaign uh, to get young to get sailing back into the Paralympics, for example. Yeah, you know, there's not many sports out there which is a complete leveler. Yeah, you know, whoever you are, you can get on a boat, whatever um, you know your disability, and you can compete. Right. So, more people are aware of that. The more people will be able to get out on the water, and it is going to be a, a long term. It's a long term project. Yeah. And we are competing in a really sort of competitive marketplace for people's time. People's time has changed over, right. over the course of the last 20 years. You know, I'm a, myself, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to shape programs based on the fact I know I've probably got half a day at a weekend trying to fit in two or three plus a plus a family visit plus this and that so it's 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 quite interesting um how we how we shape programs which work for people in terms of time as much as anything as well that's really interesting uh, I, I mean i guess you know there are there are lots of people that'll say that sailing is a bit of a dying um sport or hobby uh, i mean what's your observation of the current state of our our kind of industry i mean are we thriving or or are we dwindling well if our centers are anything to go by in the, over the last couple of years is absolutely thriving and i i do think this whole uh, element around connecting to nature outdoor activities people are more focused on looking for activities which are you know connected to nature health and well-being and so on as as well i think pretty much everyone across our industry would say that we've never been busier yeah. quite frankly over the course of the certainly the last two years but i think that that, that trend was happening before as well yeah i can only see that growing as long as you have people who are willing to work together to um, drive a participation in this in, in the sport and ensure say those no barriers are in place absolutely right and i guess you know final question you know what what's the dream for you i mean what does success of boat gen look like um, you know, it looks like busy days where we're promoting and getting people on the water, highlighting the opportunities for people to come back and regularly participate through community clubs, realizing that it, sailing is a is a sport for them and all the opportunities it brings. It looks like thousands of young people per year getting on the water and being inspired by people who are um, already loving getting out on the water regularly. Absolutely right. 
Great. Well, look, thank you so much to both of you guys. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And, I, you know, as as we've said, Boat Gen is sort of in its early stages of, of growth, but we're already seeing some, some great activity happening. For anyone listening that wants to find out a little bit more, you can visit boatgen.co.uk. And we have just launched our Boat Gen Ambassador Scheme. So any young people listening that, that want to share their passion for boating, you can find out more um, on the website at about how you can get involved. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to catching up again soon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Folk Tales and that you join us for the next episode soon. 